0: Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins podcast. Another exciting week of Premier League action has just happened. So we're going to just crack straight into it, lads. Going to go to the first game here, Nottingham Forest and Leeds. The news has just dropped earlier on today that Jesse Marsh has been sacked after a January of big spending by Leeds. But the board once again showing they don't take any chances in this league. Oren watch here. what do you make of that there? Obviously, during the mid-season prediction, we, thought, we, we sort of thought Leeds were in a bit of danger. But does this just sort of compound that danger now? Didn't expect
1: them to be sacked, to tell you the truth. Um, look, they are in danger. And I'm pretty sure it was last week you said that they would go down. And I was thinking at the time, do you know, that's not a bad prediction because they are only a couple of points off the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's, that's a big loss to Forrest. Another good win for Forrest. And Nava has proven to be a brilliant sign already with a, a vital three-point secured. And really on his back, to tell you the truth. Um, but I didn't expect Marsh to be sacked. Looking, I know a lot of questions were asked about him. But as you say, the investment they gave him. And to tell you the truth, I would say a lot of the players that did come to Leeds from that American heritage were only there because of Jesse Marsh and his style of football. Yeah, agreed. And I just, I don't understand why they've sacked him straight away, especially after just signing Weston McKinney, who's one of, well, it's arguably one of uh, the United States' greatest exports in, in European football. Look, he hasn't done a whole pile, but like, whenever you're talking about their greatest exports, you really do only be thinking about him and Pulisic in the, in the modern day. Um and when they've signed him and obviously that, I would say that connection was a huge reason to why he joined Leeds because he did have so many more opportunities even in the Premier League Um, so it's an odd one in that respect but I understand it as well to a degree because they need results um, this is a crucial time in the season they've less than half a season to go mm-hmm. if they really really have the desire to stay in the Premier League they've obviously felt that this is the reason that, or this is the opportunity that the they needed to take uh, in second March so we could get someone in to bring them to the end of the season in the best possible light. And yes. uh, it's just, who's it going to be? Because they're not going to be able to get a big manager. It wouldn't surprise me if Bielsa comes back.
0: Well, that's said, Oren. As you've literally just said, couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, the lack of managers out there is ridiculous. So to get rid of a manager now after all that spending in January, it really is a decision. No one that just, Sort of baffles the mind, doesn't it? With with that lack of managers that are available at the minute,
2: as Oren touched on there, it doesn't. It doesn't like it is a concern for Leeds. The as you mentioned, there is no managers out there, especially you don't have the likes of Big Sam or Roy Hodgson you can bring in for half a season to keep you keep you out of the drop anymore. Like so, that is concern for Leeds. But on the flip side of it, Leeds have only won four matches this year. Their last win was a 4-3 win against Bournemouth on the 5th of November. They have been in horrendous form. Like, the problem with Leeds is they're not scoring goals. They're not, like, the amount of chances they had against Forest, I know Keylor Navas had a great game, and it still boggles the mind that KR Navas is playing for Nottingham Forest. But, look, at Leeds have been in horrendous form. They've had a horrendous run of results, and there's only so much the boardroom and stuff can take.
0: Yeah I I do completely understand what you're saying there Owen. Connor then obviously on the flip side of the game look another positive result for Forrest. This is a team that we had well and truly written off a couple of weeks ago but they keep uh, they just keep producing results at the minute, and some of their some uh, outstanding performances on the field once again. Morgan Gibbs White uh looked very very good, and uh, as the boys have already mentioned, the the star signing Kaylor Navas coming in and, and keeping a clean sheet straight away. Look, you really do have to look at them now and go, do you know what? They probably will stay up, won't they?
3: Yeah, it looks like uh they could stay up. Now um, so the first half I thought Leeds were the better team, but. Second half leads were just awful. They didn't offer anything going forward. Navas kept forced in the game in the first half, and then uh, Johnson, who's been playing really well, scored an absolute screamer. Like it was unbelievable finish. Um, but yeah, forced are flying, and now they've got a proper goalkeeper in, and they've made a few signings, and they seem to be gelling as a team now. And I think I I said they go down last week, but that was a massive win. Um, it is tight down there, and I think Leeds do have a game in hand. I felt like uh, the Leeds needed a new manager because I think they hadn't won in seven games and they hadn't won since the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So they need like a new, a new manager in there. It is a bit weird, you know. They let let them have January and get the signings in, but I think it, it just had reached the point where if they didn't get a new manager in soon, it wasn't going to get any better. So it's I don't know who they're going to get in either because I think they're linked to the West Brom manager, but. We'll just have to wait and see. Bielsa, I don't think he'll go back. But I think this guy worked under Bielsa and he could be the best shout.
0: Yes, he is. Uh, the, the West Brom manager, he is the the leading candidate there at the minute. I believe those discussions have, have already started between the two clubs. Um, but yes, boys, look, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I do think, uh, once again, Forrest had another great performance. Um, they needed to have a good performance, especially against a team that are uh, close to the bottom with them. So always good when you can get uh, results like that. Oh, and as you said a couple um, on our mid-season review, games like these are six-pointers, especially when you're in and around one another. So um, a big, big win for Forrest. Well, I'm moving on, lads. Um, I'll go to um, probably the, the, the biggest game of the weekend, Spurs against Man City. Spurs, uh, very, very good at home. Uh, limited Man City, um, chances wise, Erling Haaland recording zero shots in a Premier League game for the first ever time. Um, Oren, I'll come to you first. Pep dropped quite a few players. The team, not the same team that has lined out over the past few weeks. Lost Jai Shallow now as well in the January market. No real strengthening within this side. And the news has come out today that Manchester City are under investigation for breaching financial fair play rules. They were brought up on this once before and managed to wriggle out of it. Dangerous times at Man City at the minute, isn't it?
1: Well they've been charged with over one hundred breaches of conduct in the Premier League alone, let alone breaking UEFA rules. Um so good enough for them to tell you the truth. Um when you see some of the things that they have done over the past few years. <clears throat> excuse me. It's it, it, look, it, it does hinder their success to a degree as well. Um, but yeah, on the game yesterday, you just knew whenever Arsenal dropped points, it was written in the stars for Man City to drop points. Um, And look, their, their record at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium speaks for itself. They haven't won a game at it yet. They haven't even scored at it yet. Um, But look, Spurs did what they had to do. Uh. It was shape defending from from City to tell you the truth for the goal. I thought it was very sloppy, um, which you don't really come to expect from Man City. But look, we've talked about it week after week on this podcast about Erling Holland, and obviously he's not at fault for for his contributions, of course, because he has the most goals in the league by a long way, mm-hmm. um. But Jimmy Carragher was saying last night that we're only seeing 60% of Holland and I, I do actually agree with that. And he, he believes that if Holland was in a different team, we'd see even more goals and even more to the game from Erling Holland. And I, I do agree with that as well. Um, because Man City do have the same amount of goals at this stage of the season as they had last season. But they should have had. Like when you're adding the best striker in the world to your team, you should be adding his 25 goals or whatever it is he has now. You should be adding that to what you had last season. It shouldn't be compensating for each other. So there's obviously a bit of trouble in the works there at Man City as well. You can see it with the the quick seal of Joe Concello. That was completely out of the blue for us fans anyway, but it, it was obviously dawning at Manchester City for a few weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's obviously something going on behind the scenes with Pep and the players that we aren't hearing about. Um, but yeah, they need to get it. If they're really thinking about a title charge again, they really need to get their asses into gear.
0: Yeah, look, again, Owen, I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, Don't want to talk too much about Man City here just in this episode, lads, because because of the breaking news and stuff today, I think it's probably one that we, we need to cover on the bottom bins extra and sort of do a full episode on, on Man City, really. So I'm going to move it on to Spurs. Owen, Harry Kane, 267 goals as a Tottenham Hotspur player, um, is now Spurs' all-time leading top goalscorer. Incredible numbers, really,
2: aren't they? I, it's, it's not bad for a one-season wonder. Like, it's been a very long season for him, hasn't it? <laughs> like, look, at he's probably the best. He probably will break the uh, the record set, be sure. He'll probably go down history as the best striker to play in the Premier League. It's just he does need that bit of silverware to back it up. But look, at Spurs done exactly what they had to do yesterday. And it's becoming the familiar... Familiar topic when we we'll talk about Man City, about teams doing exactly what they have to do, because it's been a blueprint now from the start of the season that you sit compact at the back, you hit them in the break, and City can't deal with it. And look at Tottenham had great chances. Like Kane missed another two, uh, two, three chances. On another day, Harry Kane puts the back in the neck, and we're talking about a 4-0, 3-0 win for Tottenham here, because look at City are just woeful at the minute, and it was a massive win for Tottenham, Absolutely massive it brings them straight back into that top four uh, conversation, especially mm-hmm. with Newcastle-Faltering again. and Newcastle-Faltering has become kind of a trend away, but a wee bit of recent weeks. So, look, at, it just seems to be a hoodoo on that stadium. Whatever Tottenham play Man City, they turn into prime Barcelona in terms of getting results. Like, like as Oren alluded to, City haven't even scored a goal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yet. So, um, look, at, it was just... A per flat performance from City again that we always talk about, and probably the best performance Tottenham's had in a while. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, yeah, completely on, completely. Connor, no Antonio Conte uh, in the Spurs dugout. Um, we at the bottom bins would like to wish Antonio Conte all the best after his surgery. Um, but the system manager stepped up and managed to to pick three points up against, um, you know, arguably the best team in the world over the past how many years. Um, Spurs right back into the top four contention As I once stated um, Positive signs for Spurs Or are you still a bit Maybe cautiously optimistic Surrounding Tottenham Hotspur at the minute um,
3: With well, Spurs they have been improving uh, I even thought against Arsenal When they lost they had a few positive moments I think I've said it like 15 times But Ben Kerr and Goulesiewski uh, are a huge fat team I thought Hoiberg yesterday was superb I thought he was the man of the match. Mm-hmm. Um obviously Rodri made the mistake. The way City play, that's the way they play, they take risks, especially around their own box, made the mistake, Hyper got in there uh and scored Kane finished superbly. Uh I think I think Spurs definitely can get top four, especially the way Newcastle are playing at the minute. Um and City are in big trouble. Like that's their third away loss in a row. I don't know what Pep's like he doesn't start to bring in such a big game. Like Arsenal's just drop points. And you need to go make a statement. You need to narrow the gap. And he doesn't start, they're probably their best player, except Holland, maybe. And I agree with the lads. I think Holland just doesn't suit Pep's kind of style. He, like he, like they were saying there, like he's used to Dortmund where it was a like counter-attack kind of football where he can mm-hmm. use his pace. We're not even seeing that now. Um, but Harry Kane as well, unbelievable. 200 goals, the quickest of 200 goals in the Premier League. And he will go down as one of the best strikers. And I agree with the one that uh, he does need to get Silverware. But he's 17 goals this season and he has been brilliant. Like he is basically, if he keeps performing like this and Spurs improve and they've been starting better in games, I definitely think, I think they'll get fourth. I think they'll get it over Newcastle.
0: Yeah. I, look, I, I don't think there's anything um, controversial about that, to be honest. Spurs are are, are on a good, good roll at the minute. Oren, they even looked defensively more solid yesterday and that is something that we have criticized Spurs about over the past number of weeks but a number of good performances in defence especially Christian Romero Emerson Royale was outstanding defensively didn't give Grealish a sniff um, again positive signs for Spurs really in the defensive department
1: look it was they done what they had to do uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a revelation of, of a defensive performance look they've done their job Christian Romero obviously got himself a right card. and um, but he was good up until the up until the red card. Um, but I, I did think the real difference maker was Pedro Boro. and um, mm-hmm. we've talked about his his potential impact with the potential transfer over the last few weeks. And I think that stability in the right wing pack position really did solidify it. And we did see Emerson Royale play well when he was like like he was getting more involved in the play. The the one thing about Emerson Royale is. <sighs> And it is quite controversial to say this, but I do think he's more defensively sound than he is going, going forward.
0: Oh, no, that's um, completely correct.
1: One. Completely correct. <laughs> so I do think they need that kind of stability in there as well. Um, But yeah, look, everybody done their job for Spurs yesterday. You knew that it wasn't going to be an easy game for City when they were going to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It just seems to be their Brogy Stadium. Um, and Harry Kane always performs against Man City. um. And look, he, he's broke Jimmy Greaves' record. Um, there isn't much more that can be said uh, about Spurs' performance other than kudos to them. They fully deserved it.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, lads, league leaders, Arsenal. They have dropped points. Um, Really, in a game where Everton... I haven't seen that performance from Everton this season. Deitch Ball in, in full effect there at Goodison Park. Oh, and I'll come to you first as our resident Arsenal supporter. <laughs> Her performance overall, and really lucky that City dropped points because on another weekend, if City had a beaten Spurs, you'd be looking at Arsenal and going, mm, this is maybe where the crumble starts.
2: Well, I'll be honest with you, I thought, I thought it was, to be honest with you. Um... Look at Arsenal were really, really poor, but not to discredit Everton. Arsenal were poor because Everton made them look poor. Um, Everton's knew when to press. They press well. They defended as a unit. Every time Arsenal went down the wings, which has been their main attacking avenue, Everton had ten men in the box. Like you need to put in the greatest cross of all time to elude ten different Everton men. Um, and Everton always a threat from set pieces with the. Centre halves to have the likes of Cody and obviously Tarkowski. Um, I thought Odegaard was very weak for the goal. Uh, Tarkowski pushed him about five or six yards deep, and Odegaard didn't have a chance of stopping him Mm -hmm. to score the goal. But in general, it just obviously a new manager boost and all. You always see it new manager comes in, team gets a great performance. But I think a lot of credit has to go to the Everton crowd yesterday because Arsenal just couldn't put them out. The mm-hmm. crowd was the crowd was on top of that game from the first minute to the last minute and they're there to support their team. There wasn't the news the animosity you'd heard over recent weeks of threats against owners and all. It was just the Everton fans were kicking every ball and Everton by far the better team. And like Arsenal had the ball, done the him with it. When Everton had the ball, they created the better chances. Um Talvert Leon had a couple in the first half. He had one that he was millimeters away from uh, making contact with, and the only real proper chances like I can remember from Arsenal is the one in Keriya had, where he wiggled his way through, and he took his time as if he was going to try and place it, and then he just balloons it over the bar, which
0: is yes. yes. a
2: bit weird, like, especially when he took that minute to think, but overall Everton full value for their, for their win, and Arsenal very lucky that their, their old foes done them a favour the day after, like it was like Arsenal gave City an open net to close the gap and put real pressure on them, but they lived to fight another day, and it nearly seems like a good weekend for Arsenal, even after what happened on the Saturday, and it was looking very bleak at the 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, completely agreed, on. Completely agreed. Oren, obviously, Everton, that bounce of a new manager, it's always going to make the players react in a positive light, but... How impressed were you with Everton's performance? Because that is something we haven't seen this season from the boys in blue.
1: Look, Sean Dice is a brilliant manager. He's, he's known for grinding out them results. He's not known for the for the spectacular football per se, but he's, he's, he knows how to win f- football matches. Um, I, I've seen a lot of his interviews creep up in the last couple of days, especially since the result. Um. And they've all been asking him. And it's, sorry, it's been showing like tactical analysis between him and Pep Guardiola of how Pep Guardiola describes um, how he wins football matches, and Sean J. Sean D- and how Sean Dave describes winning a football match. And Pep Guardiola talks for about three minutes about the midfielders have to come into play and the fullbacks have to do all this and whatever. And Sean Dysh simply says, "We score more goals than them." <laughs> um. And I love that because it's it's a proper manager that um not to say that Pep Guardiola is not a proper manager but look Sean Dyche knows how to win football matches and he knows how to do the dirty work he's been in this relegation fight before he's 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 a veteran I look like um so coming into Everton it was always going to be difficult for him I did not expect him to get this result against Arsenal I half expected him to get something off them just because of that new manager bounce um and I think anybody would have come in and got. Some sort of reaction from the Everton fans, especially first uh game being at home at Goodison. Um, but look, he got the best out of his players. Um, two of his old Burnley boys linking up for the goal as well, a, a towering and Header from Tarkovsky off the Dwight McNeil corner. Um, so I'd say he was personally pleased with that, seeing his, his old folks, his his his, his, old, his old folks um doing the business for him. Mm-hmm. Um but a special mention has to go out to Onana. What an absolutely talented footballer he is. And we've seen it all season in a pro Everton state, He's been that shining late. Um he was signed as a defensive midfielder, but he's he's absolutely took up that role as a box to box. Um he he was winning tackles all over the pitch. He was up in the opposition box waiting for the ball to be crossed into him. He was making the passes for the for the attacks for Everton. And look, they only had thirty percent possession. But they had the better chances the entire game. Um, I don't really remember Jordan Pickford being properly tested. Um, Adi and Kelly probably should have scored in the first half, um, but he ballooned it wide. It's a disappointing result for Arsenal, but as Owen said, um, with the other results that happened in the Premier League this week, it's probably probably worked out quite all right for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Um, Connor performances um, from from that Everton side there uh, on Saturday, especially as Oren mentioned the likes of Onana. But somebody else I wanted to key in on: um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's very physical, really put himself about up top. And to be fair, whenever Mopay come on, um, me and me and Mincy are Everton friend, uh, we were talking about this. Um, Everton did dip a wee bit whenever Calvert Lewin sort of come off the field, and and they didn't really have that out ball anymore. Look. He is a man that's known to be quite injury-prone, but how important can he be, especially now under the new system with Daesh? Are we going to look at maybe a resurgence with Dominic Calvert-Lewin?
3: Yeah, it's just it is that question, will he stay fit? If he stays fit to the end of the season, I think Everton will stay up because um, he'll bring more goals to the game. He also brings up physicality, and I thought Arsenal lacked physicality throughout the game. They were def- like Everton outworked. Um, Arsenal, like i seen it was the most uh, distance travelled by uh, Everton this season and I thought Onana, McNeil and Decore in midfield were superb they played a 4-5-1, they doubled up on Saka and Martinelli they knew their threat uh, Saka still nearly scored a he had the shot that could clear off the line but I just thought Everton were superb and I thought Arsenal kind of maybe took the game for granted maybe just so confident they thought we'll just turn up here get an early goal, get a result and it just didn't work out like that and that's a huge win for Everton because I think it was an unexpected one really I know it was the first game and I know Arsenal have a bad record at uh, Everton. I think that's Arteta's third loss in a row. But Everton were second bottom of the league and Arsenal were top and Arsenal were flying. But they just outworked them and they were just physical. And the atmosphere helped obviously as well. And I seen Dice was just like, this gives us a platform now to move forward to the end of the season. And the way Everton are playing in that game and I think they play Liverpool next, which is another big game. And I think they could get a result there too. I think if they can keep Lewin fit and also obviously keep up the intensity, uh, there's no no reason they can't stay in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, definitely a much, much, much improved performance and um, that the Everton fans really needed yesterday. And, and to go and beat the league leaders very convincingly, well, no, no bigger statement can you make um, at the minute in the Premier League. Moving it on then, lads, to Manchester United have moved up into third in the Premier League table now. Um a scrappy victory against Crystal Palace. Um, a bit of handbags towards the end of the game that have seen Man United now lose Casemiro for, for the next three games unless they choose to appeal. Oren, I just want to come to you with this first. Um, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the Casemiro red card. Um, once again, we have an incident where VAR has maybe muddled things up a bit. Um, referee shown a still of the incident, then showed the incident slowed down and only from one angle. Now, I personally am in the camp that the minute you put your hands on another player, especially up around that neck area, and I know according to the other angle, his, his hands were actually just below the neck, but even at that, you do open yourself up to that kind of trouble. But talk me through it, Oren. What's, what's your opinion on, on that red card?
1: Um, It's it's hard to describe, to tell you the truth. Um. It's hard to know what would happen if it was appealed, my in my personal opinion, and trying to be as unbiased as possible. I don't think it was a red card. Um there was plenty of other scuffles happening at that time. Um I whenever I first watched it watched it, I was very, very annoyed at Anthony's reaction. Don't get me wrong. It was I thought it was a shocking push from Schlupp, especially with that sloped ground at O'Trafford. Um People have been hurt before there, so that was I thought that was quite vicious, and he only got away with yellow card. I'm um, not saying it was a red card, but he he did only get away with yellow card. Um, but I thought Anthony's reaction did spark the the brawl per se, um, which wasn't entirely necessary. However, look, we've seen the footage back and stuff now, and obviously AYU had his hand on Fred and stuff, so there is a couple of potential. Bands that are coming, perhaps, especially if you need to do appeal the result, or do appeal the, the red card. My reasoning for not thinking it was red card is because VAR looked at this for an extensive, extensive period of time. This slowed it down and slowed it down and slowed it down to where it looked like Casemiro had Will Hughes by the throat for a good 20 seconds, and he didn't. He had him just below the neck for two or three seconds after the whole incident was finished, Will Hughes and Casemiro hugged and that was it over. Um, but look, it's just the way it is. Um, he, he got his red card um, and you United know, just have to deal with it. The, the thing about, if they do appeal it, it could be extended from three games to four games, which would mean he would miss the EFL Cup final. And mm-hmm. we can't afford having to miss the Carabao Cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, once we went down to 10, man, we, we'd done the business. Um, we were lucky we got that second goal, um, which is what we didn't do against Paulus in the first game uh, at Selhurst Park. We were lucky we got that second goal, a brilliant team goal, by the way, one of the best team goals I've seen from Manchester United in recent years, let alone this season. um. And I've seen a lot of people talking about Gernacho being subbed off after being subbed on, but look, it was the sacrifice that United had to make and the manager had to make to secure that result, especially after we went down to 10 men. Um, so I hope Garnacho isn't too disheartened because he played a vital role in that second goal. Um, and it, it just was the circumstances that needed to bring on more defenders and attackers to ensure that we didn't drop points like we did at Selhurst Park.
0: Yeah, completely agreed, or completely agreed. I'm the same as you. I hope your Nacho's not too, not too disheartened. Unfortunately, he was the man that had to make way. But look, it could have been anybody really on, on a day like that, and especially you know when you are fighting for those three points, you you do just have to make sacrifices. Unfortunately, Connor, always an emotional day um around this period of time at Old Trafford. Obviously, remembering um the eight Manchester United footballers that lost their lives in the Munich disaster. As we all know, Manchester United will never die. So, a very important win on a very important day. Really highlighted the character of this football club, didn't it?
3: Yeah, definitely. I thought uh, the game itself, I thought we were comfortable throughout. We're up. It was looking easy and then the card, which I thought was a bit soft. But as you said, if you put your hands on a player these days, you open yourself up to the yard and The thing about it was as well, Ayu done the same thing and he didn't get sent off, but you just have to take it on the chin. And we did hold on and we showed great character to get the the three points uh, because we'd cost ourselves against Palace, that free kick. I'll never forget that one. That one hurt. But uh, 13 consecutive home wins for United now. I thought Fernandes was superb throughout. Obviously Rashford scoring again. Uh, The the goal was brilliant. The, The second goal, seven players involved, a great team goal. Obviously, Casemiro was going to be a huge miss for these up com- upcoming games, which are big because I know United aren't uh, probably in a ch- our title race, but you just want to keep the the good times coming. You keep the wins going. Um, but yeah, it was good character shown. And it was a big win because uh, we can see it straight after and we we'll hung on. And I think the substitution, as I said, it had to happen because I think he went back to back five. I think we were looking a bit shaky at the back. You know, just playing with the four. We had to go to the five because we're down a man. And then once we did that, we just held on. So a big, win. I think that is a big win for Man United. And games coming up that are winnable against a team that doesn't even have a manager. So uh, United can now probably push on and secure top four in the next few months.
0: Yeah, agreed, 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 oh, um, Owen, from the Crystal Palace side of things then, um, they were in the game. Um they, they did uh, they did play some good football in patches, especially when United went down to ten men. They did they did throw the kitchen sink at United and um it, it did look a wee bit hurry and a wee bit shaky at times. Um Lissandra Martinez obviously very good performance from him. He defended very, very well, especially in that last twenty minutes. Um look we said the other day and um, that Palace were having a bit of a middling season, but when when you see a performance like that from Crystal Palace at Owen, are there any positives that they can take away from a from a
2: game like that? Look, at, there's always there's always positives in every game. Um, Palace always do seem to raise themselves for the big teams. It's nearly the more struggle against teams around at their own level. Look, at, they kind of had chances. I do kind of agree with Dorman that United were comfortable in the game, especially with with eleven men. The uh, Gea made a good save. Um, look at obviously Palace started to make chances and towards the end, you know, defend with ten men you're going to have the kitchen sink thrown at you. But unlike in Sellhurst Park, United managed to see it out. Um, and United starting to make Old Trafford a fortress again, which is good from their point of view. Like how many times over the last couple of seasons have you heard about teams, oh, this, this is the first time they've beat United at Old Trafford in 60 years, or whatever it was, and that's seen to become a week-in, week-out occurrence. In terms of the red card, look, at, I can understand why United fans are frustrated. It was there wasn't a lot in the incident but if you put your two hands up right that area for any length of time even two or three seconds you're just you're asking for trouble I do think I done something similar and he probably should be cited for that I know that doesn't really make much of a difference in the result but if I was united I wouldn't appeal it because I don't think it'll get he'd come off and you're just risking probably your most crucial player for the biggest game of your season so far
0: yeah, definitely, oh, definitely. I think every Man United fan would would agree with that sentiment. Um, good result for United up in the third position and looking strong under Eric Ten Hag. All right, lads. Then moving it on to Newcastle. Um, again, four draws out of five games for Newcastle now. Um, I did sort of worry about them. Um, in our in our mid season review, I just wasn't sure. Um, if if they had that sort of clinical nature, that goal scorer that they need, and and you know. You would probably have to say this is a better point for West Ham than it is for Newcastle. Oren, you were quite adamant though that you still felt Newcastle would finish inside that top four, but do results like this maybe worry you a little bit?
1: Look, the, the past few weeks they've had a few draws, but this was probably the only one that did worry me um, based on my own prediction. Um, this shouldn't be drawn to West Ham, um, and West Ham looked quite comfortable. Against Newcastle, to tell you the truth, De- Declan Rice probably had his best game all season, um, and I think that was due to Bruno Kumaijs not being there. Um, but look, again, it's still another point on the road. Um, or uh, sorry, not on the road, like, but I mean, it's still not a point on the board. Um, they're not losing games, so I suppose. <sighs> It's, it's hard to say. I do still think they'll get in the top four, but they need to stop this run, which is crazy to think about because nobody expected Newcastle to be anywhere near this position. If Newcastle were to get even top six or European football in general, that would be a huge success for Newcastle this season. Um, But it's just the way that they started off. Um, they need to get out of this run a form of draws because sooner or later, there will be teams overtaking them because Look, it's all well and good not losing, but you're only picking up one point when other teams are picking up three. Mm-hmm. Just you need that level. Of, as I was going to say, a consistency, but they're consistently drawn. But you need that level. You do need to just push further and try and get that win. And it seems as though without Bruno Guimard, that killer instinct doesn't really tick with Newcastle. Um, but I do think they need to strengthen, particularly up front, in the summer. Um, because Look, Callum Wilson, he's done it in the Premier League for I don't know how many years, but he, he's never been that top quality striker. He's just been one of them players who's, who's done a job and he, he will score goals, much like Donny Ings. But I don't think you can rely on a striker, like that if you do have Champions League ambitions.
0: Yeah, look, I, I don't think that's that, don't think that's controversial to say it, to be honest. I, I completely agree with you. Wilson is good for a few goals, but I agree in terms of, Maybe pushing for that Champions League experience, they can't really. They don't really look like they can rely on Isaac either. He keeps getting hurt, so that's unfortunate. Um, Connor, as for West Ham, then um, they did look more creative. Um, they were better in transition. Um, a much better performance from uh, their midfield signing Lucas Pacada. Um Played played much much better. Uh, good result then for West Ham. Or did you feel they maybe could have got something more out of the game?
3: Um, I thought a draw was fair. I, I actually was very impressed by West Ham, especially uh, Buketa, and I thought Rice was superb. I even seen after the game Eddie Howe kind of said we give him too much space because he kind of he was running that midfield. Uh, that is where I think Newcastle are weak. That Willock in there and uh, Longstaff, and I thought they got over the midfield. Really, uh, I don't think West Ham created enough maybe to win the game. I know uh the center back a guard or he was he missed a good chance uh he was brilliant throughout too he made a great tackle at the end because wilson was in and it looked like he was going to score again because he got he got in in the first half kind of similar way because newcastle came out firing first 10 minutes they got a goal disallowed after like 50 seconds or something cuz the ball just went out
0: mm-hmm.
3: and then they scored shortly after but i think this this is a good result for west ham um i've seen they've only lost one in their last six now in 2023 so they're starting to pick up a few points uh again it is Newcastle's problem is drawing games of ten draws this season, four in the last five, they just don't score enough goals. I thought some maximum or uh, it was per. And then Gordon came on, he was okay, but he's gonna have to like he could be starting very soon and he's gonna have to step up for them if they're gonna get top four. I think I do think two goals in the last five games for Newcastle isn't gonna be good enough, and I think Tottenham will be licking their lips and thinking if we can pick up a few results here, if Newcastle Newcastle could falter a bit. Uh, I don't think Newcastle's squad's strong enough. I think Spurs have a better squad, and I think Spurs will overtake Newcastle for top four.
0: Yeah, fair enough, lad. Fair enough. Um, Owen, look, one of those draws where it, it was sort of hard to pick to, to pick a winner out of it. Um, and again, like I said, probably a better result for West Ham than it is for Newcastle. And just on Newcastle, then, Owen, Obviously, we are a wee bit divided here as to whether they're 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 going to make the top four or not. But really, as Connor said, is the squad strong enough now to to be competing up at the highest level in in the Premier League, or do you think it's maybe going to take another summer to to really sort of stamp their authority on those top four places?
2: Look, I I favoured them for the top four in our mid season review there the other day. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, but I kind of think. It might be now just results this week. And obviously football is a results business. I like, could change my mind again next week. But I feel they're lacking that creative spark. Almiron's kind of fallen off a wee bit and after his great start. And you no, know, you just look at Newcastle's team and their back line is set. And their midfield is set. But they are just missing the likes of, an, like obviously, not going to get a player like Kevin De Bruyne or but like an Yard or somebody like that type of player. Who mm-hmm. is the creator? Because they're they're missing that at the minute, and obviously like San Maximum I always thought St Maximum was kind of a bit overrated because he wore a good headband. He put a couple of rainbow flicks here and there, um, but like obviously you said, Isaac is a great striker, but he spends more time in the doctor's table than on the field, which is which is a pity. Like, cause I like seeing him play, but it's concerning for Newcastle, and the problem with Newcastle at the minute of drawing these games is the teams around them are winning. Tottenham, like, Tottenham won this weekend United won this weekend even Brighton won this weekend Like they're the three teams in round that top four area and all three of them won this week except for Newcastle so if that's concerning me for Newcastle look at if they can get the likes of Isaac back maybe Gordon comes in can be a wee bit more creative it could help them towards that top four finish but at the minute I am concerned with them just because they're not winning games
0: yeah, I think that's totally fair enough, Owen. Totally fair enough. Moving on then, lads, to Molyneux. Um, Julian Lapetegui has pulled off uh, what seems to be another miracle at Wolves. Um, Wolves 3, Liverpool 0. Uh, Oren, I'll come to you first. Sarabia, very active in the game. Looked very, very good. Uh, The midfield of Wolves really controlled the tempo of the game. And it's becoming a sort of a common theme now with Wolves and becoming a common theme where it's too easy to bypass Liverpool's midfield. What's your analysis of, of of the game then, Oren, and especially Wolves' performance within the match?
1: Fully expected, O'Connor, to tell you the truth. Um, not going to say that I expected 3-0, but I fully expected uh, Wolves to win that game. Um, I knew coming into the match that Wolves' midfield, as you, as you said, would be dominant, and I knew they would overrun Liverpool's midfield for sure. Um look, Liverpool's in a bad run, but it's it's hard to take away from Wolves' performance, and I won't take away from Wolves' performance. Julian Lapateggi has come in and he's he's done a solid job with Wolves so far. Um and he's still only really instilling his his style of football into these players. And look, once he gets another transfer, a summer transfer window his under his belt, Wolves could be back up towards them European places like they were when they first came back up from the championship. Um, Liverpool's in a bad run. Um, the, the something needs to change. Um, I've seen more fans call him for Klopp out, which is crazy to me, to be honest. Um, because it's not his fault. Um, but obviously he does need to take some of the blame. But Wolves, I seen Neves putting his, his finger to his head and saying to the fans that this is my celebration, not Marcus Rashford's, and I thought that was a bit fucked up. But you know, uh, Wolves played very well. Um, never shit. Scored a good goal, like but shite, he's he's nowhere near Rossford's level. <laughs> um, look, a great result for for Wolves. Um, who needed it really to tell you the truth?
0: Yeah, Connor. Look, Wolves starting to move away from um the, the the bottom echelons of the Premier League now. Um, the football under Lapataki is definitely exciting. It's getting the fans more excited. Um. So great performances in there from Wolves, especially at the back. They looked very compact. Liverpool didn't really offer that much of a threat. Um, as for the rest of the season, then Connor, with Wolves, were they heading? What's what's a realistic possibility? And is Lopetegui going to be the man that pulls them back into European places? As Owen said,
3: uh, yeah, I do think this season uh, they will probably twelfth, thirteenth, at least. Um, it's very tight down there. Like easily, if you get if you start. Uh, getting wins together you can push up the league Uh, they've been brilliant the last few weeks the last few times I've seen them I thought uh, Neves was brilliant in midfield good goal but like Liverpool's defending even for that third goal was just disgusting really I thought I think it was Matip and Gomez were the two centre-backs and they were just awful and without Van Dijk in there and Van Dijk hasn't even been playing well but without Van Dijk they look even worse the first 12 minutes i seen Klopp come out and said, it just cost them because they were that bad. Uh, but Nevis was superb. Dawson made his debut, scored a goal. Great finish for our centre-back. He was brilliant throughout too. Uh, Nunes, again, for Liverpool missing chances. He just does it every week. Stuck up for him far too many times. Just awful. Uh, but Wolves, yeah, they're, they're still the, like the lowest scores in the league, but they have been starting to score a few more goals. Uh, I was shocked to see 3-0, to be honest, uh, because Wolves don't score many goals. But... And then I seen Klopp came out and said, oh, the third goal shouldn't have counted because we dominated the second half, which is just pathetic, really. It's I know Klopp should not be sacked, but we're starting to see a few excuses come out. And I think even he's baffled at how bad Liverpool are. It's their fourth game without a win this season. They're now in 10th. They're going nowhere. Well, Wolves, Wolves are a better side than Liverpool at the minute. Uh, their midfield was just completely dominant. Neves in midfield is so underrated. I think we said that a few weeks ago, how underrated he is. He's a superb player. Even Traore came on and played well. Uh, but for Wolves, definitely, if they hadn't started so badly, they could have honestly been pushing for them European places this season. But obviously, they're a bit behind. So I would just say, how, like towards 10th, is definitely achievable.
0: Yeah, definitely, Connor. Definitely, they are. They're a good, good, good side. Owen, look, Obviously, the lads have touched a wee bit on Klopp, and, and I'll come to you sort of with a Liverpool viewpoint here. This is a side that we have been so used to blitzing teams, overrunning teams, overworking teams, really league leaders in the likes of uh, turnovers and pressures. This is a Liverpool side that is now a shadow of itself. And the boys did chat a little bit there about Klopp, and Oren was saying that the voice on social media is maybe maybe starting to swing against the manager here. Obviously, lack of investment within the squad, but. Look, would you be of the opinion here that the manager does have to shoulder a lot of the blame, or do you think there's other factors here that that are more important than Klopp? Uh,
2: the first thing I'm gonna say is fuck you, Dorman, for mentioning the Klopp saying the third goal doesn't count. You stole my joke. I was with me the entire time to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, uh, no, you're alright. Look at usually a team in form like this, a lot of the blame does fall on the manager. And look at he is the man. At the end of the day, he picks the team and puts the players out and makes the tactics? But look at have you have you mentioned there, Connor? There's been no real proper investment in the areas. Middle, uh, time. Liverpool need um, <laughs> Middletown? in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the hell that came from. Um, but like, look at their. We all know how bad their midfield is. I thought their defending was comical the other day. It was atrocious. Yeah, um, for the first goal, Mata a bit unlucky it hits off him but still the brutal defending the third goal just opened up open, opened like the Red Sea on them the second goal I don't know if Alisson didn't shout but if Alisson shouted I don't know why Joe Gomez is had her that ball back into a dangerous area like Joe Gomez flicks that ball onto the penalty spot with the keeper mm-hmm. right behind him ready to catch on his chest there mm-hmm. wasn't a Walsh man within a 10 yard circle of the two of them there uh, so either Alisson didn't shout with a doubt because Alisson is still even the bad form Liverpool are in is one of the best keepers in the in the world. Never mind in the Eng- England, and ugh, we we do know what Liverpool can do. like this is going to be a forgotten season. They're going to finish tenth or eighth or ninth or whatever. And maybe they put a weird run together and go up the table near the end of the season. But it's just it's going to be a season to forget for Liverpool. All it's about now is just trying to get a plan in place that they can improve the players they need to improve in the summer and improve tactically and just get the right mentality into that team. I don't think Jurgen Klopp should be sacked. Look, at Jurgen Klopp inherited a shock in Liverpool team and made them into one of the best teams in the world. He deserves immense credit. Look at this talk with City and potential financial impact. so we'll see what's to come with that and all, but like it could be that this Liverpool team could have had three... Uh, Premier League titles, if not for Manchester City's dodgy dealings. So Jurgen Klopp, sacking Jurgen Klopp is not the way to go. Manager does have to take partial blame, but in the case of Liverpool, it's not Jurgen Klopp's fault. At the minute, if you're starting a Premier League game, no matter who you're playing with, Joe Matip and Joe Gomez, your two centre halves, you're begging for trouble, and it proved yesterday. N- not take away from Wolves' fantastic performance. Um, Dawson has kind of mentioned going on his debut. Ruben Neves showing the player he can be. Like Ruben Neves is still only what like 24, 25. Yeah, that's crazy. Like he's 25, like the man just seems like he's been about for like twenty-five years. Well, he has been about yeah. twenty five years, but playing football for 25 years. Um so immense credit to Wolves yesterday. A result that wasn't markedly surprising with the form Liverpool have been in the minute. So all part of the walls. They're getting themselves out of that relegation battle. They've, since Lopetegui's come in, come in, they look like a different side. And Liverpool have a long, long hard season to go here. But it's just a matter of getting the season over and out of the way for Liverpool now at this stage. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. 100 percent. Lads, just going to run through the last few games then of the game week. Um, so I'll just quick comment from from each of Uh, Oren, Chelsea nil, Fulham nil quite a drab and boring game, but Fulham have managed to take four points from their London rivals so far this season. Um, Crazy, crazy stuff when you think about it, but flat Chelsea once again. Do
1: you know what, Connor? They could have took six. They really could have took six. I expected more from Fulham, which is crazy, but uh, I did. Um, I didn't understand the way Potter set Chelsea up, and I, I, I feel... And it could be way off, but I feel that there was quite a lot of influence from Todd Bowley in that match in particular. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel that with all these new signings coming in, I think the new boss, the, or the new owner, sorry, wanted to see all these signings in action. And I, I, I still don't understand why Moodrick was taken off at half time. Lucky didn't do great, but Madu didn't come on and do any better. I think the, the main... Focus of any of the new transfers was probably Detro Fafana. Um he, he probably played the best for Chelsea when he did come on. He had that chance at the end that they uh, look he could have done better with, but it was good defending as well. Um no, it was it was odd. It really was odd. It was it was a weird dynamic watching Chelsea. There was no real progression in their play. Um and their midfield was lackluster. And I was gonna say, look, I was gonna say, and that shows the um importance of Jorginho but Jorginho hasn't even been playing for Chelsea this season Um, it, it's it's what we've said for the past number of weeks and I know yourself Richie and Dorman especially have been very uh, passionate about this they just haven't strengthened in the right areas they haven't bought that creative midfielder that's going to bring them forward they've bought all these players who are going to run in behind but they've got no one to play them passes and that was shown the other night with Moodrick running in behind and Mason Mount couldn't play the pass
0: mm-hmm. Agreed. So, Agreed. Look,
1: Chelsea, as, as as we were saying about Liverpool there, and especially as Owen was saying about Liverpool there, it's it's a season to forget for Chelsea. To tell you the truth, nothing's yeah. going to come up this season for Chelsea, and they need to regroup. They need to shift a few players on because that dressing room's hardly a. It's 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 going to be a hostile atmosphere. It has to be, especially with the likes of Aubameyang still in that dressing room. They should have got rid of Aubameyang in January when they knew they were going to sign players. And he was going to be omitted from the Champions League squad.
0: Yep.
1: Aubameyang is a Champions League player. He needs to be playing in the Champions League. And we've seen his own attitude problems, especially with all that came out when he was at Arsenal and in the documentary and stuff, and what he said about Arteta since, how he couldn't handle big names. So... It's definitely going to be a hostile atmosphere in that Chelsea dressing room. And I do think, as we've said for the past few weeks, Potter could be on thin ice. And I've seen fresh reports even this morning, and as, as, as close as about an hour ago, of Luis Enrique being in talks with Chelsea.
0: Wow, wow. One now Chelsea. that would be that would be a massive, massive story, if that was to materialise and do anything. Connor, coming to you then with uh, Leicester and Aston Villa, Unai Emory said he couldn't explain uh, the loss to Leicester. Leicester, again, looked like a different team. New sign come in, really jailed. Uh, Teddy, very, very, very good. Was very impressed with his performance. But talk me through it. What did you make of the game for a result?
3: Uh, it was a very strange game. It was just Villa, just honestly, I've, I don't think I've seen a game like it where they just give away the win. Like um, Kamara was just awful. He gave away two goals. That's atrocious. He was just awful. I don't know what he was doing, the first goal especially. You know, Ian Iannaccio done well. He, he got in there, he got the tackle in, but he's coming out of his own box and he look, he's just strolling out like there's nobody around him. It was, it was just crazy. Uh, obviously, the new signing's done well. You know, the centre-back's uh, suitor uh, was unlucky. on own goal wasn't really his fault. You know, it was unlucky. Uh, they've got the new guy, Christensen, I think it is, in midfield. He looked okay too. He looked aggressive in, mid, in midfield, but I thought... Um, Tetty was their best player. Um, because I think Rodgers was looking at uh winger who has pace and can go out a player. And he definitely has that. And he scored yesterday as well. I thought Villa didn't actually play that badly. Watkins' goal was decent. But just errors cost them. And it's not like uh Emery team for that to happen. So uh, it's a big win for Leicester as well. Madison was back. He scored. Um, and the new signings. So... Leicester did look in trouble, but if they get, did they had to take the chances? They scored the goals, so if they can keep playing like that and the new signings gel, they definitely have a good chance of staying in the division.
0: Yeah, agreed, Connor. Agreed. Owen, coming to you then with uh, Brentford and Southampton. Brentford victorious three 0 um, at home, but strange comments made by Nathan Jones after the game. Owen, were he said that he maybe needs to stop listening to external influences and he blamed the loss on, on himself as opposed to a, a lack of effort from his players. Um, what do you take when, when when you hear comments like that? Strange for a Premier League manager to be so honest, really.
2: Yeah, it is strange, especially the external influence thing. That obviously means there's pressure from up the stairs coming down on them. It mightn't be his team being picked. It He obviously being influenced to making the decisions. Look at Southampton or we kind of all kind of know it now Southampton are kind of resigned to the drop at this stage. They don't have the squad. The only real player like Ward Price has had a, been all right over the last couple of weeks. I think Salisu is really good for Southampton. I give credit where credit's due. I think he's the reason Southampton even are only losing games three 0 Um, look at Southampton's a team at the minute who's relying on the likes of Che Adams, Theo Walcott to get them goals like. Theo Walcott wasn't scoring goals, scored a couple of goals in 2014, but he's, a part, he's he played for Arsenal for, what, 15 years, and he's still got bags of potential at 35 or whatever age he is. Um. So, look, Southampton are just, it's just a complete mess of Southampton. It's another one that they're just going to have to have a total, total restructure in the summer. They're, Southampton's been in the Premier League for a good while well now. We know what They went big on youth this year. It's backfired on them massively. There's still going to be big wages in that club. There's going to be a lot of sorting out to do for them in the summer because they're going to have to offload a serious amount of players and bring in players that can afford to try and get them back up to the Premier League. Look, I think this could be the last we see of safe in the Premier League for a while, to be honest with you. um,
0: I think that's fair, Owen. Yeah, that's fair.
2: On the flip side of that, Brentford have come up from the Championship uh, last year and um, have, looked, have not put, uh, put a step wrong in their two year, two year and a half in the Premier League so far. I think Brantford are one of the most exciting teams to watch in the Premier League. We talk about Brighton, how great a season they've had. Brantford's the point behind them. Brantford and Fulham seem to be the two teams fighting for those, uh, for that Conference League place and even Europa League places. And it's great to see new teams challenging for European places. It was a routine enough win for Brantford yesterday. They probably could have scored a couple more. Uh, that one cleared off the line. Um, it was a fantastic. Ben, I want to give credit to Ben Mee for his goal because yeah, he put, put his body in the lane, went straight in, went straight for the ball, took man ball and not on nothing else. And it was a great finish. And on the flip side of that, Jay Adams had the chance to do the same on a, a rebounder. Um, David Rea was on the edge of his box. Oh, Jay Adams kind of yellowed out over the wee bit and barely got a touch on the ball, and the ball spun wide of the post. If he had been been similar to Ben Mee and wanted it and was hungry enough for it. They could have put the ball in the net and that would have made the game 2-1 and all of a sudden it's game on. But look, there's not much you can say about Southampton; season at the minute other than they know they're going down. Everybody knows they're going down. If they don't go down, I would be shocked. And Brentford continue to excite and amaze and are established now as one of the hardest teams to play in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed on. And finally then, the last game of the game week. Uh, Brighton defeated Bournemouth 1-0. A uh, bit of a shaky one for Brighton. Um, normally we, we're so used to seeing them play so expressively and expansively, but Bournemouth did pin them back fairly, fairly well, and it, it took the the brilliance of Cairo Matoma once again to, to pull the rabbit out of the hat and win the game for Brighton. So moving on then, lads, to our picks of the week. Connor, going to come to you first then. Who is this week's Player of the Week?
3: Yep, so this week I am going to go for Ianacho. Uh, goal and two assists, I thought he was brilliant, he's been poor all season and we've called him out for it, but uh, even f- the first goal the hard work to get the ball off Kamara and he played a great pass for this. I think it was the third goal so he was superb, Ben Mee special mentioned to Ben Mee who's good and obviously Neves, yeah. but <clears throat> Ian Nacho stood up in a big game they needed three points and he contributed uh, a goal and two assists so player of the week, Ianacho. Yeah. Nacho
0: fantastic lad, fantastic, he, he, he was absolutely brilliant in the game um, Owen, coming to you who is the cream of the cream boob of the week this week?
2: Oh lad, this week it was Billy raiding boobs this week <laughs> boobs as far as the eyes can see um, happy days boys. happy days some honourable mentions go to Undob from Brighton for somehow missing the basically open goal three times in a row. Um, for a play to Yundav, you're not going to quite make it. Another honourable mention goes to Joe Matip and Joe Gomez for just being crap at their jobs. Uh, Chelsea get an honourable mention for spending the GDP of a small country, only to draw them at home. Um, <laughs> what about
1: Emma Martinez?
2: He's always just kind of a boob anyway. Um, yeah. But the winner of the boob of the week this week it might not have been the biggest boo, but it was the biggest game was Rodri for giving the ball to Heiberg or the edge of the box to set up the eventual winner for Tottenham just because of the, se- the size of the game. To make a mistake like that, when it's your best chance in a long time to uh, cut, make a bit of ground up on Arsenal and take the league back in your own hands because they still have Arsenal play twice. So for that mistake, Rodri is this week's boob of the week.
0: Unfortunate for Rodri. Unfortunate. <laughs> All right, then, lads, moving on to my fantasy player of the week. Southampton play Wolves uh, for the coming weekend in the Premier League. So my player of the week is a bit of a bold one. I'm going Pablo Sarabia. I feel like he's going to terrorise that Southampton defence and could possibly get amongst the goals um, at that game at St. Mary's. That's a good one. Standard. So, Oren, moving on then to your opinion of the week, what have you got for us this week?
1: Um, Look, I could have changed my opinion many a time today. Talking about Man City, but as I said, I think that deserves a full episode. So I don't really want to get into it right now. Um, look, my opinion—it's about Liverpool again. I feel like my opinion seems to always be about Liverpool. <clears throat> Excuse me, but this week, my opinion is that Jude Bellingham will not come to the Premier League, considering what has happened with Man City and with Liverpool set to mess out on Champions League football. Um. I don't think Jude Bellingham's gonna to come to the Premier League. I think he's gonna to go to Real Madrid.
0: Very interesting take. Very interesting take. And to be honest, Oren, before you even made that opinion, I shared the same opinion. Um even before any of this stuff this season happened, I was very adamant that Jude Bellingham, I think, was going to end up at Real Madrid, and I think he's gonna be part of a midfield of Camavinga, Tuumani, and that's gonna be their midfield for the next ten. 15 years however yeah. long it is so yeah. I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you and it will terrorize honest, European yeah. football
2: yeah. Uh, to- to-
3: yeah.
2: totally agree if you are and just um, as you said even before the season you kind of thought look at Real Madrid is the place from them to go even now if God knows what's going to happen with City and the absolute mess that Liverpool's in it what would take them to the- Liverpool at the minute mm-hmm. if Real Madrid sniffing about you you go to Real Madrid and if Real Madrid are replacing Casemiro Cruz and uh Uhrich. I don't know why I couldn't think of Luca Modric there for a second. Middleton. Midline. Chase over Um with Camathing uh
1: um Benningham
2: like it's as you said, it's just gonna terrorise European football. It's yeah. like probably one of the best midfields we've ever seen. Straight after one of the best midfields we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: To be yeah. honest though, I did think he would have went to Liverpool. I just think now with them. Well, they mightn't get European football at all obviously we've talked about this extensively but they're definitely not going to get Champions League football and like we were talking to Stevie yesterday at the r match, big Liverpool fan uh, our, our friend Stevie and he was saying he still thinks Bellingham's going to come and he thinks that a year out of Champions League football could be good for Bellingham and for Liverpool because they're focus on the league but they have so much problems so many problems that they need to figure out before they can even think about signing Jude Bellingham I don't um, think they could afford him more. No, I don't think they could no. either. Not a chance. What but I mean? think He's the cops put all his eggs into this basket for the past two years, curtain Bellingham, and I think now it's all backfired, considering the state that they're in there.
0: Have, Listen, yeah. or, I completely agree. Like, if you think they they only got seventy million for Holland, they only mm-hmm. got 75, 80 million for Sancho, they're gonna really want to make their money with Bellingham here, yeah. and. That sale is going to possibly be one hundred and twenty-five, one hundred and thirty million, and yeah. Liverpool's owners aren't going to cough up that amount of money.
1: Exactly, and because yeah. he's English, going to back to the Premier League, there's just that tax as well, that English tax.
2: Exactly. If you look at the fake he got for Enzo Fernandez, so why would Dortmund not get it all all the can for him? Like exactly, um, and
0: yeah. and and Bellingham is a better player than Enzo Fernandez. Yeah,
2: and even if Liverpool it, could afford him there's so many problems in that squad that if they bought them, they're just throwing funds away that aren't going to, that I'm leaving massive holes.
3: I think Bellingham would be stupid to go to Liverpool to be honest, the way they're, like as you were saying, their situation. And they're not going to be in Champions League football, so why would he go from playing Champions League football each year to not playing Champions League football? You know. I think Liverpool was the only real Premier League one, maybe City, but yeah, he'll end up at Madrid. And that'll be a smart choice because he'll I be a top so. player there. Yeah, I agree.
0: Great, agreed, great lads. All right, moving it on to our predictions then uh, for the coming game week. So um, I think we already predicted on United and Leeds in the previous Premier League coverage, didn't we? Because it was part of this game week. I
1: can't yeah, remember to tell you the truth. I think it's we did. Nice. But I'm going to I say, think... United win anyway. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. yeah it well,
0: I'll take United too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right then, West Ham versus Chelsea um, at the London Stadium then, Oren.
1: Um. Oh, at the London Stadium. Look, it was a good result there for West Ham getting Newcastle away. So maybe they could pull off a shock. I'm going to say West Ham.
3: West Ham. Okay. okay. Connor? Yeah, I'm going to go West Ham as well because Chelsea are just so bad at the minute. Yeah, fair enough. Owen?
2: I'm going to give Chelsea a wee bit of credit and I'm going to say a draw.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am the same as you, and I am going to go for a draw
0: there. Um, Arsenal at home to Brentford then, Oren? Draw. Draw. Oh,
3: okay. Okay. Connor? It's a tricky one because Brentford are playing well. I think they're unbeaten in seven, but Arsenal at home are different animals, so I'm going to go Arsenal. Oh,
2: Yeah, it will be a tricky enough game and an interesting game. It's actually a pity it's the three o'clock game and it's not on TV, but uh, it'll be a good game to watch, but I'm going to go Arsenal.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I am also going to go Arsenal as well. I think at home they are just, like you said, Connor, they are a different beast. Um, Crystal Palace at home to Brighton
1: then Orin Oh my god there's some difficult Games
3: Yeah, they, I, um, These are tough it's tight.
1: Well look they've no Zaha i I seen who was back in training today But whether he makes that game or not could really Shift this result Um, And obviously Brighton struggled there against Bournemouth I'm going to say a draw on this one Draw okay Connor
3: yeah, it's a hard one. I think Brighton do struggle against Palace as well, and Zaha plays well against them, so I'm going to go Palace win. If Zaha, I need Zaha to play, but I'm going to risk it and say Palace win. Okay. Owen?
2: Um, I think Brighton didn't have a great performance start at the weekend. I think they kind of right the ship away, but this week, I think Brighton's players are fantastic. Mentoma is in fantastic form, so I'm going to back back Brighton.
0: I'm also going to back Brighton. Uh, Owen, Fulham, at home to Nottingham Forest. Jesus.
1: Oh, no. um, I'm going to go Nottingham Forest, just with the sign of the I think that they're not going to ship as many goals. And look, their away record hasn't been too great this season in terms of goals, but I'm backing them this week.
3: Fair enough. Connor? I'm going to go Fulham. I was impressed by how they played against Chelsea, and I think they'll get a result at home.
2: Owen? Um, similar to what Oren was saying about Keilor Navas I still find it mad that Keilor Navas is playing for Nanning Forest I think, yeah. best, I think he's still one of the best goalkeepers in the world um, so I'm, I'm not going to back them for a win but I'm going to back a uh, draw
0: a draw okay I am going to take Fulham uh, I think Fulham maybe just have a wee bit too much for, for Forest uh, Oren Leicester at home to Spurs then
1: um, Spurs off the back of a good result but so are Leicester, to tell you the truth. I'm going to go with draw, because I think Leicester do have that, that attacking power now. Um, but if, if Spurs do come out with that defensiveness, the defensive stability that they came out with against City, it'll be different. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go draw. Draw. Okay.
0: Okay.
3: Connor? Uh, I'm going to go Spurs. I think they're going to go on a run now. I think they'll win this game. Owen?
2: I mean, it would be like Spurs to beat Man City and then get beat by last of the week after, but... I do feel Spurs have enough to beat Leicester at the moment.
0: And I can't say anybody other than Spurs, spouse, especially <laughs> with my mother just outside the bedroom door. <laughs>
2: if,
3: you hear, if you hear the door getting kicked down and Richie's
2: saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know what happened. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you know exactly what's happening. <laughs> Oren, Southampton, uh, at home to Wolves. Wolves. Yeah, it's a
3: pretty easy choice, that yeah. one, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
3: Connor? Yeah, Wolves, well, that does seems like the easiest game of the weekend yeah. to pick. Owen?
2: Yeah, we're all going to see Wolves here, and say it's going to be easy. So if Hampton's probably going to end up winning 2-1, but you have to go Wolves.
0: Like... <laughs> yeah, congratulations Wolves, you've got the golden buzzer, you're through to the next round.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bournemouth at home to Newcastle then, Owen? Newcastle, goes to slap them.
3: I think so too. Connor? Yeah, Newcastle, will slap them. Bournemouth's the worst team in the league. Well, it's a them. then, it's a toss-up.
2: Owen? Newcastle's draw, demons keep coming up, it's going to be punch-shared.
0: Two golden buzzers in a row there. Congratulations, Newcastle. We'll see you in the next round.
2: I saw a draw, in fairness.
1: <laughs> oh, did you?
2: My shirt, my yeah,
0: friend. My shirt. Oh, jeez. Shows how much I'm on
1: there. <laughs> uh, to be fair, McCarroll you do sound like you're in an airplane. Like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the reverse fixture, then, between Leeds and Man United uh, on Sunday. So this is the one at Elland Road, then, lads. Uh, Oren.
1: I'm going to say United but this one's going to be more difficult. It depends if they have because Chris Ormas is coming in to be the caretaker manager until they get a full manager so if Ted Lasso is still at the way it could be difficult for United.
3: <laughs> Got it. Uh, Hopefully they don't have the new manager in because I'd be scared if they did because Emery fucking beat us in the first game so I'm going to go Man United win but it'll be tighter, obviously it'll be tighter than the game of Wednesday. Owen?
2: Get your brushes out, folks, because United's going to sweep leads. Uh, United's going to do it two twice in a week.
3: Yeah, I
0: think United's going to be up twice in a week as well, so I, I'll take United too. And then we have Man City against Aston Villa. Man City at home, that is, Oren.
1: Um, look, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw or even a Villa win, but I'm going to say Man City are going to bounce back. Connor? Yeah, I'll
3: go, I'll go Man City at home. Owen?
2: Funny, Villa's a team that's caused silly problems in the past. I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out a wee bit in the line and say uh, a draw.
0: A draw? Okay. Um, I'll be a wee bit controversial here, lads. I think with the cloud that's hanging over Man City at the minute, I feel like Villa are going to bounce back and beat Man City. That's my bold prediction this weekend. And The final game then of the game week is Liverpool against Everton in the Merseyside Derby on Monday night. Liverpool at home, that is. Oren, who are you taking?
1: Um mm, Everton.
0: Ooh,
3: spicy. Connor? Yeah, I want to go Everton, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say draw because Everton's record at Anfield is just awful. So I'll go okay. draw. Owen. Um
2: it's a tough enough one with the way team the forms are going at the minute, but I will I'll stick with Liverpool, even though I've talked shit about them all night.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um I was actually talking to Mincy about this game yesterday uh, on the way to Red Neds, and I just have a feeling that if Everton are ever gonna beat Liverpool at Anfield, um this is the, I think this is the best chance that they have. Completely agree. Um, yeah, and that is we, good chance. yeah, with with Deitchen now and, and that resurgence, I, I I do think Everton's gonna gonna stun the world and, and beat Liverpool at Anfield. Completely. Moving on to our final section, uh the guest the player, Oren, I'll let you take it from here.
1: Yes, boys, so we've got three again this week. Um, I've tried to make them a, a wee bit easier, but still challenging. I am, obviously. Because we've been shade. Because well, you've not been, haven't been I before. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been shade. <laughs> no, you, you don't win last week. Well, you don't win last do. week. You, you got know. a clean sweep last week, so it's 5-0. Five, 5, of course, to Ritchie, to Dorman, and McArdle still on his lonesome on 0. Give them
2: a chance. Just give
1: them a chance. Give them a chance, Liz. let's head start yeah give him a head sword you're like yeah, Lightning right. McQueen not yeah okay so the first one first clue I have played with Fabian Schauer Ante Rebic Antonio Rudiger and Jan Sommer
2: Jay Rodriguez
1: you're out ah. Jay Rodriguez what the fuck I'm <laughs> no, no, not Jay Rodriguez
2: have? I'm a funny. I'm not the other Rodriguez <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, the, the, the back. Yeah.
1: The, One said Jay Rodriguez. He's I played for to... Burnley. <laughs> Who did he play
3: with Rabbits? At, for any of them? The, I don't think
2: he played with any of those lads. I'm at oh the other Rodriguez. I thought it was a good idea because he played with RC Milan and he's Swiss. I mean, he's probably wrong anyway.
1: That is horrible. He should get a minus, <laughs> minus point for that lad. <laughs> all right, Dorman. Big right, balls. Right. For you so make, sure,
2: make sure your buzzer's working this week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. Uh, sorry, lad. I am a current Premier League player. Number three, I have won seven trophies with my current Premier League club, having joined them in 2017. Number four, I hold the record for the hot, fastest hat trick in Champions League history, which I got this season. And number five, I have seventeen goals and seven assists in thirty-one appearances across all competitions this season. Who am I? 10 second timer.
2: Sure, it's not Jamie. You guys are Joe.
1: I'm sure. In fact, I'll I'll read all five again <laughs> just to give <laughs> you a bit more time. I okay.
3: Think
2: I might know.
1: Uh, Oren. Yes. Is it Mohamed Salah? It's Mohamed Salah. Well done, Reggie. That wasn't even that hard. Yeah, played with so Fabian, Schauer.
3: So Fabian Schauer and Jan Sommer
1: at uh, Basel. Awesome. Played with Ante Rebic at Fiorentina and played with Antonio Rudiger at Roma. And his fastest hot-trick was against Rangers this year that's in well, six months. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, number two. So we're on 6-2-0. First clue. I have scored 107 goals and have 46 assists in 756 club appearances. I have played with Dani Alves, Xavi, David Villa and Lionel Messi. I have won six domestic league titles since making my debut in 2003. I have only played for three clubs in my career with a total transfer. Well done, Owen. Well done. Straight in with the Sergio Ramos. Very good. I knew, uh, the, I knew
2: you were trying to make us think Barcelona, so I was thinking Spain.
1: The last two clubs, or the last two clues, where I've only played for three clubs in my career with total transfer history, so coming to £27 million. And I'm a two times Euros winner and a World Cup winner. Make your leash women. No. <laughs> Are you sure, lad? Uh,
2: um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sounds like good. you
1: went overboard there.
2: <laughs> just not, I'm just so excited I've got one right I just want to go for a weekend.
1: <laughs> Jesus put the armbands
2: on mate Jesus
1: <laughs> so yeah so Owen's now or Owen's now off oh he's on the leaderboard now so it's 6-2-1 Dorman he's hot and having your heels lad oh,
3: I'm, I'm hot and a shocker I just take a blank every single one
1: <laughs> okay last one for the week um, okay first clue I am playing for a club that is still in a European competition this season. Number two. I am a Premier League winner. Number three. I have played with Thiago Alcantara, Chris Smalling, Alexander Pato and Zlatan Ibrahimović. Number four. I am the only player in history to score in every major European final. So it's the Champions League, Europa League, Super Cup and Club World Cup. And number five, I am a World Cup and Euro's winner. Who am I?
2: Say a clues again, please Lord?
1: Okay, I'm gonna run through them quickly. Number one, I'm playing for a club that is still in the European competition this season. Number two, I am a Premier League winner. Number three, I've played with Thiago Alcantara, Chris Smalley, Alexander Pato and Zlatan Ibrahimović. Number four, I'm the only player in history to score in every major European final, which is Champions League, Europa League, Super Cup and Club World Cup. And number five, I'm a World Cup and Euros winner.
3: Is it... Is it Pedro?
1: (laughs) It is indeed, Pedro. Well done, Mm. Mm. Dorman. Was there a bit of looking up there, boys? Was there a bit of... The way up, I've been
3: performing, you. lad, I don't even blame you for asking that. I don't even <laughs> blame you for asking that, lad.
1: No, look, it was it was it, it was Pedro. Um, some some records when I was looking up about Pedro, that fellas played some good football over the years, and he he doesn't get the credit he deserves.
0: Uh, he was just he was always seen as like an understudy at Barcelona,
2: yeah. but he, he was always a very talented footballer. Like he was always there, like. I know that's it. He well, look, a of a goal.
1: he did indeed, of course, and even for the likes of Chelsea in that as well, he was always. And he, he scored today for Lazio. Did he? For he did. Yeah. Oh, he's
0: still he's still kicking it in, in kicking the top five league.
1: Yeah. Scored today in a one-one draw again, Hellas Verona. Yeah. Yeah. So the the final scores at the end of this week is Richie staying on six, Dorman moving up. The leaderboard on three and one finally getting onto the board of one. Obviously, these are going to go on to our TikTok as well. Uh, We've seen quite a few views on the ones on TikTok so far and a long way to continue. So that's a plug to the TikTok. Go and check it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, folks. And again, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the support. Really, really appreciate it. Please go and follow us on all of our social media handles. It's at Bottom Bins Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and of course TikTok. You can find us on the Powerless Sports app. That's PRLY Sports on the Apple App Store. Uh, Apple, uh, the, the, the Apple App Store. God, I can almost speak.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> please come in, have a footballing conversation with us. Um, some good content on there, and um, planning some more good content um, for the next next few weeks. That is. Um, that's going to do it. For this week, Uh, please check out our previous episodes. Our transfer deadline day episode um, just come out there last Friday. Check out our mid-season reviews; some really, really interesting um, and good analysis within those reviews. Um, And like I said, we're probably going to have a a bottom bins extra up this week covering the the situation at at Manchester City because it's massive news um, and probably does need to need to be talked about. So, uh, thank you very much, and as always, keep a bottom bins. Keep a bottom bins.
3: Keep bottom bins.